Hey everyone, this is Jason Shepard, and you're listening to the Commercial Pilot Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. How does a cargo door bring two totally different aircraft down? M0 Nation, Jason Shepard here, M0A.com. You're listening to the Commercial Pilot Podcast. We're talking about that exact little topic there. Does it sound kind of similar to the MCAS issue we just learned about last week? Both MCAS, right? Both were related to the MCAS, both within uh, a few months of each other. And in this case, both the exact same cargo door issues that brought down two aircraft, one ending with complete fatalities, the other, everyone thankfully survived because the aircraft was so lightly loaded. And when you think about it, McDonnell Douglas became Boeing. Anyways, I'm getting way ahead of myself. Some of you are going, this sounds interesting, Jason, what are you talking about? If you didn't watch Tuesday's video, uh, you need to go back and watch it really on the tail of two DC, uh, DC-10s uh, that you could learn a little bit more about that. Um, wow, where do we start? Where do we start commercial pilots here? Uh, let's, let's build the theme here together, then we'll dive more into the accidents, accidents plural. I love, um, I love this because... Um, when I say I love this, I mean, I don't love accents. I love these podcasts, what, I'm, what I was referring to. I love these podcasts because it allows me to dive a little bit deeper, not be quite as professional all the time, um, and go off script. So I'm thankful for that. I want to tee it up this way. As a commercial pilot, you have to realize that you, 91.3, says you have the final authority and responsibility for the safety of this flight. I realize you might be flying 135, 121, some other you know, regulatory section one day. But they're all gonna have a pretty similar, regu similar regulation that you, the pilot command, have the final authority as the safety of this flight. As a commercial pilot now, you need to realize that in your ecosystem, there are so many more things than just you. Now, this accident was originally blamed on the baggage handlers. In fact, the statement from McDonnell Douglas when this happened, and again, I'm gonna assume you've already watched Tuesday's video. If not, I'm talking about American Airlines 96. You can go find it on the M-Zero site. I'll, I'll, we'll do our best to link to it. Uh, maybe Coach and Tom, you could link to it uh, in, the, uh, in the podcast kind of show notes and um, and on uh, YouTube and Facebook as well. So they can find it if they're listening to this years later. But the statement from the CEO of McDonnell Douglas said, the Flight 96 mishap was not the result of a serious design flaw that required urgent attention. This was an isolated incident that would not be repeated if proper steps were taken to get baggage handlers to use their brains and not their brawn, their muscles, to deal with door handles. Remember when we blamed the MCAS issue on the pilots? Now we're blaming the, the uh, rapid decompression due to the, the loss of a cargo door through 11,500 feet. We're blaming it on baggage handlers. It's much easier just to shift the blame to humans. Well, 
in actuality, humans are to blame in this too. It's just the humans who design these baggage doors um, and their locking mechanisms. And in fact, in the case of the Turkish Airlines accident, the second of these DC-10 baggage door issues, they knew the baggage door was a pain and they decided to, well, we'll file the door handles down a little bit, uh, the latches down a little bit, and we're gonna turn off that pesky switch that keeps telling us the door is unlocked or not latched because we know it's latched and we don't need a reminder of that. It's just, it's annoying in the cockpit, in the flight deck. Wow. Now, while I realize this is an extreme situation, I wanna tee this argument up that it's more than you now commercial pilots, and really any level of pilot. Uh, a few months ago, I posted on, uh, on the M0A Instagram and Facebook, one of the a line service personnel, and line guys and line gals are awesome, but a line service personnel, um, they left one of those fuel mats on top of the aircraft. I have left chocks on. I've had students leave tie downs on. I've had students leave keys on, their car keys on the tail. I need you to understand that it's no longer just you. You are no longer just the single point of failure. You are one of the many points that can prevent accidents though. And you have to start looking at accidents, potential accidents, let me rephrase that, potential accidents, I'm sorry, I'm kind of pondering this as I'm going off script a little bit, potential accidents in such a manner. It's not just you. I know they blame the baggage handlers. This goes all the way back to engineering. You need to know the quirks of your aircraft. You need to know the possibilities. Do you remember from Tuesday's video, Captain McCormick, the reason that Captain McCormick and others were able to survive that crash, and it was very much a crash, is because Captain McCormick went above and beyond and realized that the DC-10 had a fatal problem with it, a fatal issue, that there was no redundancy the hydraulic system, just like there was no redundancy to the angle of attack sensor in the 737 MAX. There was no redundancy in the hydraulic system, so he knew if they had hydraulic failure, he would lose his flight controls, his brakes, basically anything hydraulic. So he practiced a differential thrust technique to steer the airplane using just a little bit more left engine than right engine and vice versa. And you know what? He practiced that in the sim and he had to use it in real life. What are some flaws that you may not even know about your aircraft that you could prepare for? What are some of these issues that would cause you to learn more about your airplane? Everything back to the design history and, and specs of it. Can I share a bold one with you? And not a lot of people know and understand this. I, I think Cirrus produces a phenomenal aircraft but do you know why Cirrus has a parachute? Cirrus did a, a fantastic, does a fantastic job marketing the, the fact they have a parachute and many other aircraft manufacturers have followed suit. But did you know that the reason Cirrus has a parachute is because when it came to the flight tests, they couldn't pass the spin recovery procedure. In fact, when they entered into a spin, the spin was basically ended up being a flat spin and was deemed unrecoverable. They couldn't recover from a spin. So they came up with a genius idea that they turned to good and turned to, to a marketing plus. They said, listen, 
if we can't recover from a spin and we have to demonstrate proper spin recovery to be a certificated aircraft, what if our spin recovery procedure is pull the chute and we're gonna put a ballistic parachute on the aircraft? And they did that. And they showed that in a spin, and the, the, the video is still online to this day, where Cirrus enters a spin and they pull the chute. And you can, you can see that. And that is how they earned their aircraft certification. And they went on to use it for great marketing. Hey, you get in a jam, pull the chute. And again, the, the, the parachute has saved countless lives with that as well. Again, that's, that's taking what was a negative and working to turn it for good. But did you know that? Do you, do you know the history of your aircraft? Why certain things work a certain way? Why did they build the aircraft this way? You are studying or, tr or working towards becoming a commercial pilot. It's not just about you anymore. You've got to know who else is involved, the line personnel, the catering crew, the every aspect of it. Do you remember the crash? I can't remember the turbine aircraft, but um, maybe it was a piston aircraft. I can't remember, but it was, a, it was a fuel mishap issue. They either put 100 low lead in a jet or put jet fuel in 100 low lead. I cannot remember. There were two crashes back to back from the same FBO, from the same airport, both related to fuel. And it was a fueling issue. You know, I, I, I'm very strange. I watch my aircraft get fueled and I make sure it's the Hunter low lead truck that pulls up next to my aircraft. And I fly aircraft that are strictly only piston, but you know, that's one thing I always, uh, I always had a challenge with. I know Textron and, and Piper for that matter, Cessna and Piper were, and they may still be pushing very, very hard for a diesel aircraft. You know, there was the diesel uh, Archer. There was the diesel 172. Uh, I know some, a flight school here in Florida that actually uh, has, still has one. Love the aircraft. But they've got placards all over it. Jet A only, Jet A only. And it's weird for a line guy or a line gal to pull up to a 172 with the Jet A truck. And one thing they said is they just had a, had a rule at the flight school, still have a rule at the flight school, that you stand there while the aircraft's being fueled. And you got to watch it. And it's, it's tough to fuel because if you look at the jet fuel, the nozzle is literally different. It doesn't always fit and work as well with the little 172. So there's a lot of issues with that. But you've got to know your aircraft forwards and backwards. You're responsible for it. You're responsible for the crew that interacts with it. You're responsible for that annual inspection. I was actually just talking to, uh, to Tom, um, who edits the audio version of this as a podcast. Um, Tom is going to do the maintenance flight of 2-3 Mike Zulu as it comes out of annual. And we've spoken about that. Say, Tom, this is how we're going to do the maintenance flight. Let everybody know. We're going to go through it, talk to the mechanic. And it's, it's I, I, Tom is fantastic. He was sharing. He says, hey, when the mechanic's done, I want them to kind of send me a picture of the logs to show me everything they did so I can read through it. I want to know what parts we had ordered and why. What are the new parts? What did we take out? What did we do? You know, they flip-flop the interior. They take all that out. Did they put the co-pilot seat where the pilot seat should be and vice versa? Like, there's so many little things. That pre-flight that Tom's going to do is probably going to be half an hour. That run-up he's going to do is probably going to be twice as long as normal. The first flight's going to probably be a lap in the pattern to make sure life is good before he goes out to the practice area. You can't just grab an airplane out of annual and have it on the books to go start doing cross countries or flying with passengers or whatever that may be. There needs to be a maintenance flight. This is the level of responsibility that you have signed up for now, commercial pilots. That's why I'm sharing it with you now. So what are some things you're gonna to start to do as you work on this uh, responsibility 
of yours. I can't wait to read about it in the comments down below. So uh, listen, I hope you've been doing your homework. You watched the Netflix movie uh, Downfall. You watched last Tuesday's video. Uh, this McDonnell Douglas Boeing saga, it doesn't end yet. There's one more video next week. And I'll talk about it in greater detail in the CFI podcast next week as well. Have a blessed, abundant, outstanding rest of your day. And most importantly, remember, the good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, everybody. I'll see ya.